As the tech industry makes the world smaller, business gets bigger. As your company grows, HSBC has the ability to scale with you with a vast global network made up of local expertise. Search HSBC Tech Industry to contact your local specialist. Hey everyone, Christopher Gates here, and I'm the producer of Equity. I'm here to announce something I'm very excited about, and that is a new podcast coming from the TechCrunch Podcasting Network. It is called Control T, hosted by reporter Megan Rose Dickey and editorial director Henry Pigabet. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for a little snippet. Take it away, Katie Roof. Coming up on Equity, Uber gets its tender offer rolling, WeWork buys Meetup, Niantic raises $200 million, and Jeff Bezos is worth $100 billion. Welcome to Equity. I'm TechCrunch's Katie Roof. Uh, my colleague Matthew Lindley is off today, but we have Crunchbase News Editor-in-Chief Alex Wilhelm. Hello. We're joined by Heather Hartnett, who's a CEO and partner at Human Ventures. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And you're fresh off a plane, you said. You've been in, uh, on the ground for about an hour. I am, right from New York City. It's it's a, it's a long flight, but actually, as you pointed out, it's a lot of me time, so it's good. <laughs> That's the only good thing about flying is that for at least that period of time, no one can call me. And no one can complain. I, I look forward to it. It's also when I catch up on my movies. <laughs> that that Netflix and, you know, just a little sleep is perfect. Speaking of sleep, I didn't do that the last few days because I've been d- busy with Uber. Um, <laughs> Uber has nonstop news. Actually, it's funny. Someone called me from the company to tell me about some news, and I'm like, I'm busy because I'm writing a different story about Uber that has nothing to do with this. But um, anyway. It's been bad. So Uber's had a lot of news. And um, wh- so the tender offer, which we We've talked about on the show before uh, that kicked off on Tuesday. And <laughs> so it finally happened. We've been talking about it forever. And it's not just SoftBank. I'm also reporting that Sequoia Capital, the, the venture firm, is investing as well, along with Tencent and uh, TPG. So we've got a handful of investors here. Of course, there's also Dragoneer, which uh, is co-leading. With, with Right. But we didn't expect Sequoia. Sorry, I just, I'm, yeah, behind, yeah, I'm exactly. behind on this. Yeah, exactly. So, so I uh, broke the news this week that Sequoia is in it. That was they were completely under the radar with that. People didn't know that. And now and it's an interesting one because Sequoia, uh, they actually had a little bit of well, it's a, it's an undisclosed amount of Uber shares that they already had before uh, through a scout, uh, which is I guess Jason Calacanis helped find uh, the oh through, Uber. through a scout. I think yeah. Calacanis was scouting for yeah them. exactly. Oh, okay. So but like they hadn't formally invested. Scouts are these covert operations that help them find startups. That's a whole separate topic. But uh, they had already invested in the past. And Alfred Lin, who's a partner there, he um, had been an angel investor in Uber since early days. And so they're doubling down. I mean, we don't know exactly how much they plan to buy, but they're participating in the tender offer. And the tender offer, to recap, is this uh, existing shareholders who are accredited investors. And these are employees, former employees, employees. early investors, anyone who has Uber shares that has over 10,000 Uber shares and um, is accredited, meaning they make uh, 200,000 a year or have they or they have a million in net assets, uh, can sell these shares and 
Sequoia uh, and all the companies that I just mentioned could potentially be buying them. But that part uh, still has to be figured out because they want to buy $8 billion worth of shares, but we don't know if they're going to be able to get $8 billion at the price they want, which is $32.96 per share, which is more than 30% less than the $48.77 a share per share that uh, it was valued at last year. And it's so, Series G. So this yeah, is a $50 billion valuation. It's, it's under $50 billion. It's, it's upper 40s valuation. And so it's it's a significant discount. And uh, these are not just common shares. They're preferred shares as well. And so that's controversial, even though the billion-dollar direct investment in the company that will also be happening if this gets done is going to be at the latest private valuation of Uber, which is closer to $70 billion, almost $70 billion. So uh, right. that's to keep Uber's official valuation afloat, but they would obviously be getting a lot more shares at a discount if 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 this if they get enough sellers. It's the uh, financial Olympics, but Heather, are you surprised to see Sequoia take part in the purchasing of shares, where we're seeing other VCs, as we pointed out, sell shares in the tender offer? I don't think so. I think I think the you know early investors they want to they want to support this. I think there it showed time and time again that Uber is is one that people don't want to let see die, right? So they're going to be they're going to be behind it. And I think that will instill confidence um, if if only for the ecosystem and and early employees of Uber to do the same. Yeah, no, it should be interesting to watch. And actually SoftBank confirmed to the media they actually sent out a statement that uh, there was intent on benchmark and menlo ventures to sell shares and i have sources now that have basically since claimed that softbank might be doing a little negotiating through the media basically putting pressure on these these firms to sell by uh, making it already public that they that they plan oh, to so softbank so jumped the gun on them yeah oh do. i had this backwards yeah no well it happened backwards before perhaps with Uber, which we've talked about in our show in the past. But um, so SoftBank is the one that issued this statement. Although I do believe that uh, Benchmark and Menlo, they're not making this up. I do believe they have expressed interest in selling shares. It's just that this, they may or may not be willing to sell their shares or, or a certain percentage of their shares at this lower price. The part here that gets tricky is while the the offer is already launched and it technically is supposed to go for the next 20 business days uh if they do don't get the eight billion dollars uh between the investors that they want then they can raise the price uh because softbank does want these shares that's what they've been talking about this for months, I feel they, like it just needs to happen. They have almost hundred billion to invest in. Well, they've they spent a lot of yeah, it already. Yeah, they had. <laughs> but uh, but Uber fits their investment strategy of these. Can we can we leaps. just pa- pause there and ask what is the SoftBank investment strategy? Because <laughs> I I did the research on this. I went back and I looked up like the Singularity and IoT and all the ideas they talked about. And now they're going to put a bunch of money into Uber, which is, so far as I can tell, a way to break the law while losing money. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that also seeing Sequoia kind of invest alongside SoftBank is is also another play, right? I think that a lot of early funds w- will start to see them really want to side with SoftBank because they are a big player in the market right now, and they're the ones who are providing liquidity for an otherwise illiquid <laughs> market, you know. So I, I do think that SoftBank is is providing a, a strong value for for ecosystem. Well, yeah, because they come in after the Series G and just 
keep your valuation afloat while giving you another 18 months, 24 months to grow into it. I mean, it's fantastic. Unless the public markets fall apart in the meantime, you miss the IPO window. Now you're over overvalued and you're stuck. Well, you're super early stage. You probably won't be dealing with them just yet. This is not. Yes. <laughs> Down the road. Yes. <laughs> yes. We are, we are very Either way early. you win. It's all <laughs> things involved if, you're, if your companies get to that level. But, uh, but yeah, so, yeah, this is interesting to see, though, with Uber because they've had clearly a very volatile year this week they were they also revealed that they were hacked uh they've had a big lawsuit with google's self or alphabet self-driving car division waymo uh they've had a lot of different regulatory obstacles around the world although they've had that for years and then of course you know their ceo travis kalanick got pressured to resign and, and he, he, pre he was pressured to resign in June and then we had um, a series of executive departures there so there's been a lot happening at Uber it's, to say the least it's really going to be a case study for the ages I, because you know I mean it's there are very few companies that affect me day to day right but you pull Uber out and I'm affected every single day by that um, and I, I just there's inherent value and they actually are providing a service that people want and so it's really internally that it's just amazing how there's a fire hose of story after story after story um, but it's really the value is is there it's just depending on whether or not they can they can have the internal you know structure to be able to to pull it through did you uber here from the airport i did you know what i did from my office i took an uber you know what i'm doing on the way home back to my office after this Uber. I'm not walking. I yeah. know. I know. I also took an Uber. <laughs> and I sometimes I often take Lyft as well, but <laughs> well, I did. It's, frankly, it's what's cheaper. I did ask our, my Uber driver today too. I said, "Well, so have you been hearing about any of this stuff?" Because you know they don't really, cont they don't really tell us anything that's going on. <laughs> He's like, "We find out by the slow days," and then I look up online. <laughs> I did boycott Uber for a few months actually earlier this year, but the, anyways, they have a new CEO, uh, Dara Khosrowshahi, who I've actually only heard positive things about, but he's inherited a lot of different. I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> like every day, there's like, well, in 2014, Uber punched 48 kittens, and Dara's like, that was the past. Now we're doing new things, and I just he, every there's a new thing every week. Um, but the company also released uh, through the tender offer, and then Bloomberg, and then also Katie confirmed this a bunch of numbers about its performance in the third quarter and uh i was uh concerned I think my <laughs> they're losing money no. uh, they're losing a lot of money lot of like, to the tune of almost one and a half billion billion last quarter uh but you yeah. know they were without a, a driver or i mean without a ceo last quarter so <laughs> there you have it but uh, that was but a really good accidental joke like like five <laughs> points for that um so they had um their gross bookings rose to 9.71 billion from 8.7 billion in q2 which was just under a 12 percent gain quarter over quarter and their net revenue expanded to 2.01 billion so just over two and uh, up from 1.66 billion in the second quarter uh and that's an important thing to note because i think it was axios reported that q2 net revenue for uber and this is the adjustment number that actually makes sense was 1.75 when it actually was 1.66 so we all were a little bit confused about how well uber did in q2 we've now been set straight um but they're uh they're actually i calculated their profit margin um and uh they fell from a negative 64 percent according to their net versus their uh, net revenue in q2 to a negative 73 percent profit margin in q3 uh which is not the direction you want to go when you're this mature of a company so when you see these numbers and you're laughing right now what do you think like what goes through your head you know, I, I, as Katie pointed out, we're so early. I, I really think that um, the, every day there's a new thing that you think 
couldn't have happened within this company, and then it does. And so it's really hard to say where where this is going and how they're going to pull out of it. Um, you know, it's funny because where we are in New York, like Uber is everything in this in this town. I think that there's a lot of news that comes out about it, and so that's what drive again pun drive, <laughs> drives the news cycle. But it's you know it's one of ten thousand uh, headlines that happen in New York, and you know I mean people in New York just think it's crazy because this is just not a um, a business that you're used to seeing, right? These economics. Uh, yeah, I mean their their revenue was growing, but their losses were also growing. Their gross bookings were up, but but yeah, I mean, the bottom line here is it's not, they don't make money. They just raise a lot of money. But that's true of so many different venture-backed businesses. But and it's okay if you They're top-line grows. So. Yeah, but, but you have to have a path to profitability, and that's why this quarter made me scared. Katie, you're, I totally agree. The gross bookings growth is good. Net revenue expansion as a percent of gross bookings went up uh, from Q2 and Q1, so that's strong. But they lose more money. And so their, their bottom line is moving in the opposite direction, charting an anti-path to profitability. And that's when I get concerned. Not, not that I care if they die because someone else will come in their place and me as a consumer, it's okay. But like just looking at the business from a financial perspective, how long can you lose more than a billion dollars net a quarter and, and, and still get people to give you more? And still have to deal with a lot of the things they have to deal with that's not core to their business, right? Which is, which is a lot of this, what they're doing. Uber Eats, just for one. <laughs> well, I, or all the legal action, all of oh, this, you, you mean know, like that? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. You I'm know, sorry. how are you focusing on innovation and kind of create? I mean, I am really bullish on ride sharing. I think that you know the market's huge. It's not even a percentage of it has been tapped into, um, but I, I think that there's a lot of ancillary things that they have to deal with all the time. That's a good way to put it, and uh, happily we can put a pin in Uber, and we can pivot, because I know everyone who listens to the show loves when we get stuck on Uber for the entire episode. Um, in in non-Uber news, uh, Niantic is raising a $200 million Series B, uh, which is an odd sentence. Uh, Niantic is the creators of the super phenomena Pokemon Go, which I think we all played for about 48 minutes. Our producer, it turned out- I played for like a year. Oh! Wow! I just confessed. I was gonna burn Chris, but you've ruined it because I, I, I asked That's him for the show how long he played. He said three months, and I was so shocked. But well, dang it! I mean, I was never like obsessive about it, but when I walk places, it was just nice to like hatch eggs and get credit for these <laughs> eggs that I was hatching. I know it sounds really no, weird th- if you haven't played, but it's kind of cool. Every time I went for a walk with Ryan Lawler, I think he was doing the same thing. Um, but anyway, all of TechCrunch. Yes, but they raised two hundred million dollars in a Series B, which should be more like a Series. G, but whatever. It's 2017. Nothing matters. Uh, led by Spark Capital, and it was uh, Megan Quinn, I think, is taking the board seat. And they're going to, and this is why. She's been on our show. She's a big fan of Megan Quinn. She's amazing. She's Super awesome. smart. Uh, but critically, they're going to launch a Harry Potter game, which means that I'm going to have less money and no time when it comes out. But so I'm we'll just be excited. making about fun it. of you for playing oh, Harry Potter. All that joking is going to come back like 10x. It's going to be horrible. But I, I, I thought it was an insane amount of money, but a cool space. Uh, it's a gaming company, so it's an interesting proposition. And also, I get to say Harry Potter on equity, so I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I, I would not underestimate the uh, force that is Harry Potter. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it is really incredible. Like a year ago, or maybe two years ago, had you heard of Niantic? I was not familiar with them, but they they've done extraordinarily well. And uh, you know, they call it AR, where you're able to see the Pokemon, and and um, you know, it looks like they're there out in the wild but <laughs> it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it before but uh it's definitely different than just playing a game that's two-dimensional so it's it's they really caught created a movement there and apparently they have a lot of revenue so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them but uh 
But yeah, we were touching on this beforehand, too. I think it's really interesting when gaming pushes the envelope of technology, right? You start to see things that you otherwise wouldn't see, but in a gaming setting, and and then you can you know, kind of map that to other industries as well. I think they've always been a front runner in, in pushing technology. So currently on the uh, front page of TechMe, great website, there's a Snap ad and their tagline is, toys are preludes to serious ideas. <laughs> oh, and look at that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what you just said. I mean, I think that's actually true. And um, I think a lot of companies like Microsoft have been trying to push AR by using heavy tech. Like HoloLens is a great piece of technology, but it's very expensive and hard to use. Everyone has a smartphone. And bringing this to everyone's phone was, was genius. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at what happened with Pokemon. Aside from the game, it just gave everybody that uh, vision as to what AR could actually do and be in your pocket. And it was Pokemon. So everyone played. I mean, they had they had a hook, a brand hook to bring you into the new tech. And instead of like having new tech and then trying to create brand hooks, which is what uh, VR did, I feel, which is they launched headsets and then announced they'll have content later. So this is kind of an inversion of that. I'm stoked. I... I don't know how to value a gaming company. Like, I don't know what Angry Birds, sorry, Rovia was actually worth post-IPO, but I love to see $200 million go into Harry Potter games. It's going to be awesome. Well, and you see some of their investors, too, and you, you see that there's some strategics in the media play, right? People just know that the media landscape is changing and that, um, that gaming plays a big part of that. Well, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of New York, where you're based, uh, there was some activity there. WeWork bought Meetup. What? Yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> which which is kind of an OG platform is what I was saying before, too. <laughs> Meetup, yeah, yeah. So um, Meetup, for those of you who don't go to random networking events, is a website <laughs> for, for connecting with groups, like-minded people who want to, I mean, I guess they can get together about particular hobbies or industries, but it's it's a website for finding other people. But I yeah. wasn't expecting WeWork, a real estate, a co-working space company, to buy it. But maybe I'm, there's some synergies. I'm actually really excited about this uh, for a couple reasons. One, I think WeWork is really smart. They are... They're owning not just the co-working space, but they're they're owning time outside of the time that you work as well. So this generation is now, you know, the future of work as it pertains to talent is really kind of more. And we've been talking about the 1099 economy for the last few years now, but I think it's shaping up to be a little bit different than people thought. It's not necessarily just around the taxes and how you're being paid and things like that. It's really where do you spend your time and how do you spend your time and who are you interacting with? So as we become so much more you know, addicted to our phones and technology is bringing us, quote unquote, closer together. It's actually um, the in-person meetups that are becoming stronger and stronger. And you see this where the booming conference market, membership organizations, I mean, their recent infusion of cash into the wing. And I don't know if you're familiar with the wing. It's not out here yet, but it's really, really the all, women, the all women space. It's an all women's yeah. co-working space, but it's really a membership. And it's just a space that, um, you know, that that people feel that they're gotten you know they they understand who that demographic is and what they ne- what they need and then there's a physical space that represents that and i think we'll see more of that with big brands in the future I have a meetup, Columbia's Alumni Association. That's how they like to get together. So that's why I have to use the site. I'm not a huge fan of it personally, but I'm not against it. You know, I just I have it to 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 go to Columbia alumni things occasionally. Do you do you actually go to these things? Because I, I get... occasionally I do. Because really? I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's good to meet other people. Is it though? The same school? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Have you met people from my school? They're not really personable. <laughs> um, well, I think you'll find it more around interests and less around, you know, 
where you might have gone to school and kind of traditional alumni things. Right. I mean, it allows people to have niche interests. I mean, one of the reasons why Reddit, which is half trash, half great, is fun is that you can create these really niche communities around specific topics. Right. It's like, just now you're going to be able to do that in, in person. Right. <laughs> and, and even more so, the WeWork thing makes a lot of sense because they want to drive community. And they also want to drive use of space. And Meetup has community and needs space. And that's how I see them plugged together. I don't know if it's worth the amount of money that WeWork's going to pay for it, but at least it lines up. Uh, you know? It, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever worked in a WeWork? No. So no. what happens is really interesting phenomenon because I think that there are people, if you're really starting a business in a WeWork, you don't interact with everybody else. You're kind of just in a, in a co-working space, but you don't cross collaborate as much as you would think. So I think if there's a way to really, and they do have tech around it and everything, but if there's a way to create some forced collaboration and actually in the studio model that we have with human ventures, this is something that we do with the founders. You say, how can you actually learn from each other at different stages? And I see meetups in a way to do that. I mean, you also see Mark Zuckerberg, you know, just led a big conference in Chicago around communities and they, they're giving some of the group organizers some voices, just like hosts or drivers or whatever. They're, they're creating those physical spaces for people to connect offline to. It's really important. Do you think meetup had a bigger place in the world before Facebook Groups became a thing. Could, could, do those are, are those complementary? Are those do they replace one another? Uh, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud because the Zuckerberg thing jogged my mind a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's a great question. I think they're very different um, user base. I would say um, or used in a different way. I'm also it's it's hard to say. I actually use groups quite a bit in Facebook. I think that they're really really potent. I think they're underutilized within within Facebook. So if they do, What's your, what groups are you in? Oh, I'm in, you know. Tell us the secret ones. Uh, <laughs> there's one that randomly started in New York called Sloan's List, which is all about um, jobs. And it was you would post a job opening if you had it and you would post a, a, you know, I'm looking for a job if you need it. And it organically grew. It's like 10,000 people now. And it has such good response rate for being able to put a job posting up there and actually get, and there's no monetary, I think now they have, you can pay and have it pinned or something, but it wasn't, it was like Craigslist, you know, but it was a new one. So, and that was pretty powerful with just a, a Facebook group that if you were on it, you would um, invite other people in your network. So it just started to organically grow. I deactivated my Facebook account and now I kind of wish that I hadn't because I feel like maybe there actually is a use for Facebook that isn't just feeling sad. Wait, but. why did you deactivate Facebook? Because Facebook was just another source of stress for me. Like, I, I don't actually share a lot of pictures of, like, me in the world because I, well, I'm not very attractive and I'm worse in pictures. So <laughs> I don't do that. And so I don't have a lot of the use cases for it. Um, and I found myself checking to see if I had been tagged in anything or whatever too often. And it was just a time sink. I took it off my phone ages ago, but I would still check the website. Um, and now I'm just not doing it at all. So Aww, add me on LinkedIn so I can ignore you somewhere you online. Be back on Facebook. But, I, but see, but why? This is off topic, but I, I, I've got a bee in my bonnet. Why? Why should I be back on Facebook? To socialize? I hang out with you every week. Well, it depends. Fine. It depends. I mean, I'll say also with um, kind of investor relations or portfolio relations, you actually, as an investor, I could say, you know, all of our portfolio companies who are in New York, you can have them um, be on Facebook. I mean, everybody's on Facebook, so they can, not everybody interacts with the groups, but I'm saying that the groups are the things that I use the most on mm -hmm. Facebook. Well, Sorry. so there's kind of an endorsement of the meetup idea, which is why WeWork bought it, but I'm curious, as a final caveat for me on this, this topic is, WeWork has bought, I closed my laptop, I think five companies in 2017 out of seven in their whole history, and all five have happened in the last six months. 
since June, I think this is close, guys. I'm paraphrasing, but it's been really an aggressive push by them as they've picked up new capital and also a higher valuation, making the equity more valuable. So I'm curious. Picked up new capital from SoftBank. SoftBank. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, let's see. Uh, Four point four billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I the it's interesting. Flatiron School, um, which was a big one. They're really investing in, it sounds cheesy, but in community, these are all platforms that actually have a strong community. So I think it's smart. And I also, you know, you you also see, so there is the real estate play, but um, but it's it's really the community that they're building internally that is around that. I mean, I, and you'll see their hires too, right? So they hired um, Shiva Rajaraman from Apple for product, like Everybody said, what? He went from Apple to, well, it was Spotify, Apple to WeWork, you know, That's and that was the first. Yeah. <laughs> and then the CMO now came over from SoulCycle. I mean, they, they're definitely brewing some interesting things internally. Well, they have a lot to live up to, including their valuation. Um, <laughs> was $20 billion last I checked? Well, yeah. they said they're not currently valued based on you know earnings and revenue. They're based on community. Or so there was some hilarious quote like, about I mean, how I they're think valued. It was like spirituality, actually. Yeah. So we'll see uh, how. Well, now I'm Google, googling this. All right, we're, we're gonna put the Jeopardy. We're gonna put the Jeopardy theme song yeah, here. This valuation was based on energy and spirituality. That's what the CEO said about was that twenty Adam? billion dollar valuation. Yes, he told that to Forbes. Was so he messing on, with on Forbes? On the record, he said that possibly. I mean, he's no, either, he could be. He could have. Maybe he wanted. The, the publicity that would come from this. I mean, he had to have known that this would have generated some sort of reaction. Yeah, his theme has definitely been controversial. I remember being at, I think it was Erin Griffith, and she was she was pu- pushing. She's like, so, okay, you go public. What do you file under? Are you a real estate company? Are you an office? But, you know, she was asking all these different things. <laughs> That's why Erin's the best. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah, no, what are they, though? Are they a real estate company, or are they co-working? They are an asset-light, community-driven, real estate-enabled, software layer for the physical world. I don't know if that made any sense. Hey. I just threw buzzwords in front of I hope they're listening. Good. That just sounds like your typical conversation with VCs. Yeah. So yeah. I this believe it. Why we shouldn't hang out with VCs. I'm just saying. So um, speaking of lots of money, uh, Jeff Bezos has $100 billion, which, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot. Like, I can't really wrap my head around that. I mean, I'm a little bit jealous, if you can't tell. I mean, but, but I don't really know what I would do with $100 billion. I would definitely give it to charity, which fortunately he is now saying that he uh, wants to give some of it to charity. He actually tweeted <laughs> over the it, summer. So. No, he, he tweeted over the summer saying he was asking for ideas. Asking for ideas. Buy some ideas. You have the money. <laughs> So, so I mean, look, he made his money. It's well-earned. Amazon's obviously doing amazingly well. And then when their stock went up Black Friday, that was enough to push him over the edge into 100 billionaire status. So it's amazing. Bill yeah. Gates has hit that before. Okay. Uh, but he's also, he's he's been extremely charitable. Uh, and so he has less money now. But, hey, <laughs> like, I mean, I think it gets to a certain point. It gets to a certain point. Like, I'm a capitalist. I'm all for people making money and all that but i think it gets to a certain point where it's like how do you even spend 100 billion dollars like it'd be a full-time job just figuring out like how to spend oh, as it. many people so. yeah if anyone's hiring for that job by the way it's a wilhelm at crunchbase.com yeah, yeah. i mean I'm, I'm hoping i mean he's a he's an innovator right i hope he makes some really big swings with that i hope he can really rock um you know make some make some big waves he he invests uh what is it about a billion a year of his amazon fortune into blue origin his mm-hmm. uh, his space company yeah, and so to he, go to the, go into space yeah he bought I, the washington post as well uh and that's been doing pretty well lately actually to, to his credit i mean not to be cynical i mean he has not ruined the post and i think there was some concern among us media types that maybe another tech billionaire was going to show up 
and buy something and try to fix it and end up with car parts all over the garage. And in this case, it doesn't seem to have happened. So good for that. Uh, $100 billion is probably too much. I'm a capitalist, but I'd probably cap out about $65 billion <laughs> on the personal fortune scale. And maybe after that, we should have a new tax bracket called all of it. Um, <laughs> but good for him. But just to bear this in mind, to, to make it a little serious, uh, we are currently seeing the big five tech companies worth about $3.3 trillion uh, as of this kind of rough day in the market. Um, they barely hit $3 trillion this summer. So they've appreciated greatly even in the last couple of months. And so we are seeing really the golden days of uh, big platform tech companies. And we may, you never know, never come back to this point again. So this is not inevitable. This is not forever. This is now. But $100 billion is a good capstone to point out how silly things got in 2017. Well, the stock market is very bullish on Amazon, and he's clearly benefiting from that. I mean, we've talked about uh, we've talked all about it on our show, but Blue Apron, just the idea that they could be competing with Amazon was enough to ruin their IPO, and, and their stock has done terribly. So I think that investors just really believe that Amazon is going to be continue to be the leader in e-commerce and, and really uh, continue to change not only e-commerce, but they've been doing all sorts of things. They have Amazon Web Services. They bought Whole Foods. Um, they uh, they have their hardware devices, Alexa, which I guess are pretty popular. And so they've been... Being, they've been pretty successful at a lot of different categories. Everything but their phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Fire Phone. The fire, not, that yeah. was a flop. That was a, yeah, the Fire Phone was a, definitely a flop. Well, let's hope they keep their M&A activity up. I think it's great. <laughs> Do you have any implicit bias in that direction? <laughs> <laughs> any companies you'd like to sell to Jeff Bezos? <laughs> Do you have a favorite child is what we're asking. Yeah, yeah right. Um, no, I, I do think that they are very um, innovative in the way that they're thinking about things. So if they continue in this path, anybody's game to be a good acquisition target for them. I mean, they're all over the place, right? I mean, they, they, they're worth over a half trillion by themselves. Yeah. That I just have a hard time eventually getting my head fully around the numbers. And at that point, if you added 50 billion or subtracted it, I wouldn't feel any different about it. So I wonder how much that number actually means. I don't know. At some point, I, I can't touch the scale of these companies. really speaks to somebody who knows how to look at opportunities and sees them, right? It started out as a book company. Like, this is just crazy to me that every step of the way, they knew how to capitalize on opportunity. As an investor, how do you spot the next Jeff Bezos? Oh, it's such a good question. I mean, just what I said is such a big one, right? Because we, we talk about the myth of the big idea. People say, where do you get your ideas? And I said, at this stage, ideas aren't what it is. It's about the person who's executing on it. Because whatever your, your idea of the business Businesses, it's not going to be what it is a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now. So um, you really have to be adaptable and resilient, right? And you have to and you have to know what your feedback and insight that you're getting and then pivot very fast, uh, you know, in response to that. And I think that's the single most, um, you know, important quality in a, in a founder, especially early days, is just the ability to rapidly grow and change. All right. And on that note, thanks for tuning in. Come back next week. Hey, I'm Henry. Hey, I'm Megan. And you're listening to Control T. Or as I like to call it, Control T. <laughs> what we're going to do each week is discuss the news that you and I find interesting. Sounds good to me. And uncover the stuff that's behind those news stories. So we're looking at all different aspects of technology's impact on our culture. And then later in the episode, I'm going to chat with some experts in their field uh, let's see, some some guests we've had so far. Who have had so far? Oh, Who have we talked to so far? A little lady called Shonda Rhimes. Oh. Yeah, pretty pumped about that. How to get away with murder. Yeah, yeah, all about that scandal, though. 
also have spoken with Jeremy Burge, CEO of Emojipedia. Wait. I know you don't like emoji, but... No, I... I do you, though? I'm a huge fan of emoji. All right, well, why do you got to give me... The, the, t- the chief emoji officer <laughs> is a bit much. Is it not? It's a little also, much, Also, there's, there's a pedia for emoji. Because, you know, it's emoji, they it's a big part of our culture now. And so you'll probably uncover some of these questions when you talk to him. Exactly. Yeah, and we are debuting December 16th <laughs> on your favorite podcast platform. Look for it. Control T. I'm Henry. I'm Megan. Peace out.